Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today we're going to dive right in um, and talk about being inclusive. You know, there's a uh, really a dangerous gospel that, that dumbs down what the gospel really is. The devil never attacks anything that's not important. And so for every true gospel, there's always going to be a counterfeit. For everything that's meant to be done, there'll be things done in excess. You look at the move of the Spirit of God. You look at the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so for there's a real baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's a real evidence of speaking in tongues. The Bible says in many places, it talks about praying in tongues, singing in tongues. So we know this. We know there's an anointing. There's the power of the Holy Ghost. We know there's the joy of the Holy Ghost. And then there's the excess, and you can find it. You can see it where people are doing crazy things and barking like dogs and roaring like lions and, you know. I had someone recently say to me, uh, my dog got slain in the spirit. You know, there's <laughs> there's excess. There's people who go off the deep end. And so it doesn't mean we back off altogether simply because there's excess. In the same way, in in God blessing his people financially, there's people who preach, but it's excess. It's all it's all everything for them. Nothing, for, No focus on the kingdom, no focusing on sacrifice. It's all about balling out of control. And then it's manipulative. If you give $1,000 to, the, you know, it's like weird tactics that God doesn't talk about. And But then there's the reality that God wants to bless his people. So just because there's preachers who are doing it wrong doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done. You don't back off all the way. And so you have to be careful as men and women of the gospel that just because there's excess and someone who did it wrong that you don't recoil and you don't, you don't not participate in the true gospel. The Bible says... Uh, Paul was talking to Timothy and he said, preach the full counsel of the word. You know, there's a full counsel of the word. He said, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. So there's an encouragement to scriptures. As a born again believer, I'm encouraged when I hear the scriptures. Hey, we go from glory to glory. We're meant for victory. We're not meant for defeat. Nothing will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. No, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. Any tongue that rises up in judgment against you, you shall condemn. There's an exhorting, there's an encouraging, the encouragement to the gospel. And so for most believers who live on fire for the Lord, there's an encouragement. But there's also the rebuking part. There's also the part that says, hey, if you're living one foot in the world and one foot out in the world, that, that you don't go to heaven lukewarm. Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but if you're undecided, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm is someone who's just never made up their mind fully. Someone who's one day hot, one day cold, just does whatever they want. But their average temperature is in the middle. It's lukewarm. And so you see that where God says, I don't, that's not what I want. So there's an encouragement, but then there's also the rebuking side of the gospel. But there's a dangerous gospel out there now that, that looks at including everybody as the highest point of like, hey, if you don't, they say, you know, if you don't preach about love, you know, it's the love of God that Jesus died on the cross for us. God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So there's love that Jesus died for us. But then there's the reality that there are people who've heard the gospel preached, but because they didn't make a clear and decisive decision to serve Jesus Christ, to come away from the things of the world, to turn their back on sin. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, crucify. Paul said, I'm I'm crucified. I, I, I buffet my body daily. The Bible says I've been crucified with Christ. So yes, there's the drawing, the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. But there's also the harsh reality that if you don't make a decision now with your life, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, I had someone once who was talking to me about 
there's a there's a doctrine, a false doctrine called amillennialism, and and basically says that right now we're in the millennial reign, which is stupid. The Bible says in the millennial reign the lion will lay down with the lamb. Find me that. So, turn on National Geographic. Find me the lion laying down with the lamb. Find me. You know, there's there's it's not the millennial reign is there to bring peace on earth, where the where the the forces of darkness are put under underneath uh, Jesus' feet. Millennial reign, nothing. But you know, and the whole thing is 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 based on a few scriptures that people turn, and it's not the case. But people say that, and the and the guy said to me, he's like, you know, I always believed that that you know I always would you know believe that Jesus would come back soon and the rapture of the church, and but but you know for thousands of years they've been threatening, oh Jesus is coming back soon. What do you think? God needs God needs um, God needs pressure like that. Like, oh, I'm coming back soon to like close the deal. We were both in sales. So he's like, do you think he needs urgency to get people saved? And I said, yeah, he actually does need urgency to get people saved. Because the truth is, even if the rapture doesn't happen in our lifetime, which I believe it will be, but there's people who believe the rapture would happen in their lifetime and it didn't. Uh, Prophecy shows that it (laughs) most likely will, but let's say it doesn't. You don't know when your own personal time will come that you meet the Lord. You don't know when your life will be required of you. And so there's an urgency to you can't treat sin lightly. When I stand in front of young people and I preach, I preach about holiness and I preach against sin, the, the Bible actually says, and this is my text for today, Jude chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, but you, beloved, you'll be familiar with this one, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. So there's the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. You say the word mercy, and it's, hey, mercy for the greatest sinner. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. There's mercy. You've never gone too far. You've never done too much. If you surrender your life, Jesus will save you. There's no sin that will exclude you from heaven except rejecting Jesus. But there's enough mercy where if you want to come to the foot of the cross, that you can come, you can present your life, and God will save you. He'll wipe your sins clean. He'll make you new. God loves you today. Respond today. So there's 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 the mercy of God. And that's part of the gospel. But in the same way, it says, verse 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference. There's people who've had a tough time. There's people who are battered, beaten, bruised, and you have compassion on people. But the next verse was 23. It says, and others save with fear. You know, you never think you'd read that under the grace. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. When you preach, there's a responsibility that you're not aiming to please people. You're aiming to please God. Paul said, if I aim to please man, I wouldn't be the servant of God. I'm the servant of God. I don't, I'm not trying to please people. I'm not trying to have, you know, people look at the gospel. In some countries, the gospel is labeled as hate speech. You can't preach the full counsel of the word. You can't say, you can't say, you can't talk about hell. There's countries where you can't preach against homosexuality. It's hate speech. It's hate speech in some countries to preach the full counsel of the word. But there's this, there's this twisted gospel that says everyone needs to feel welcome. I saw someone say the other day, you know, everyone should feel safe in their community. Yeah, I agree. But until, you know, until we get to the new heaven and new earth, no, you know, everyone's going to have, the spirit of fear is real. You know, it doesn't matter if you lived in a neighborhood that's never seen crime, a city that's never seen crime. I've, I've worked in neighborhoods over the years selling alarms. 
I, I remember working in a neighborhood where they, this guy said, we've never had a house break in in this neighborhood. And, a, and, and as far as I know, we've never had a car break in. And I found out that the week before one car had been broken in and people were buying alarms left, right and center because there was a car break in. But there's those neighborhoods that it's like picture perfect, no crime. You know, you can leave your doors unlocked. But people will still find a reason to be afraid. Why? Because fear is real. So it doesn't matter. You know, you could change things. Oh, people should feel, not feel afraid. You could change things and someone's afraid of a chihuahua and another person's afraid of a spider. You know, we'll never, until the, until the new heaven and the new earth, we'll never not, you know, people, there, there'll be people who feel afraid based on their surroundings. You could live in the nicest neighborhoods, but you have one person. You know, it's funny. You, you find it where you talk to people especially since the, the, the subject of race has come up. And, and white people, I'm going to speak very plainly, the white people are nervous that the, the whatever people moved in. And then the, the Asian people are nervous that the whatever people moved in. And then the African Americans are nervous that the whatever people live there. And, and you know, it's like just this crazy thing. You, you're, you're, what's not common to you, what you're not familiar with, can sometimes make you nervous. And that's how, that's how that works. But there's a responsibility as a minister of the gospel to not say, am I including everyone with my message? The thing needs to be that not that you consider the people to please the people. It's to consider the gospel to please God. The gospel must be preached and it's not our gospel. We don't get to pick and choose. And now God will give ministers a vein. There's, there's, there's things that certain people preach on and there's things that certain, but, but no one gets a pass to not preach against sin. If you're a minister of the gospel, you're called to preach the full counsel of the word. I, my wife and I went to a church and I'm not going to say which church. We went to a church. We're on vacation in a different country. We went to a church and we were excited to be there. And the preacher got up and he got ready to preach. And he says this, he says, the reason why we get asked a lot, why don't we preach against sin? And the moment I heard him say that, I said, this is going to be good. The the reason we don't, why don't we preach against sin? And he said, well, the way I see it is to preach against sin is people. And he used this analogy. He said, people revolve around planet sin and there's a gravitational pull. There's an orbit that people revolve around sin. So if you spend all your time preaching about sin, It'll be like people are focusing on the sin and what they focus on, they'll always gravitate towards, which I partially agree. And then he said, so we preach on, and I don't know the exact term you use, but it was something like we preach on, you know, new creation and grace and the new covenant. And so we want people revolving around that. And if you're not careful, that can sound good. People were really responding. The lady who introduced him said, hey, this message has changed my life. And I thought, but you know, that's not the gospel. If you read every epistle in the New Testament, go read Romans, go read Ephesians, go read Philippians, go read Colossians, go read Thessalonians, go read Timothy. There's a strong list of what not to do. There's a list of murderers, adulterers, fornicators, effeminate, you know, the list goes on. Drunkards will not enter the kingdom of God. Preach hard. You don't have to choose one over the other. You do both. What ends up happening is if you don't make a stand against sin, you end up with a group of people that don't know how to live. They don't know what God likes and doesn't like. The reason you preach on sin is it lets people know this pleases God. You know, I I get an opportunity to preach and I I speak strongly about abortion. And and a lot of people that that end up hearing me preach are people who've had abortions. And so I'm careful to say, I don't just get up and say, God hates abortion. The Bible says God has, hates hands that shed innocent blood. 
Abortion's the worst thing. You should never have an abortion. I don't say that. I say, you, the Bible says, God, there's things that God hates, and one of them's hand that, hands that shed innocent blood. You cannot live your life in support of, of any company, of any organization, of any political party that's in favor for abortion. It's displeasing to God to support something he hates. But if you're in this place and you've had an abortion, I want you to know that the past is past, that there's forgiveness, that the power of God today will heal your heart, that even if you've had many abortions, that, that the power of God can heal your heart to the point where you feel that, that it was somebody else, that the old creature has passed away. The love of God comes to, to heal your heart. You know, God used Paul as an example as the chief of all sinners. You may have had an abortion. God wants you to live free of that burden. He doesn't hold it against you. Paul killed Christians. If Paul can look and say, everything that's behind, I do one thing. I forget those things that lie behind. I, lay, I, I, I look ahead to, to what God has called me to do. It can be the same for you. I don't, and I literally say this line. I don't know if anyone in here has killed any Christians, but even if you have, God will forgive you of that. And so you do both. You preach hard against sin. And you preach hard on the love of God. That's the full counsel of the word. It's the same thing. You have people in, in prosperity. People who preach only prosperity and don't bring the other side. And, and it's an abusive prosperity where people want to manipulate. And so there are excesses. But then there's the other side that won't preach anything about the goodness of God. And they talk about, and all they preach about, you know, we got to be careful because the love of all money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, which it is, but you can do both. You know, if you, every time I preach on prosperity, if your heart is right for God, God will bless you. If your heart is not right with God and, and you're not seeking first the kingdom of God, you're not a soul winner. You know, God's not going to bless you because the money is there to get the job done. People who love the kingdom of God, that seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and give and believe in the blessing of God will walk in great blessing. Why? Because yes, it's there for you, but it's also the Bible says in God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things would abound unto every good work. The gospel, the abundance there is so that you can abound, yes, for yourself, but also for every good work. God loves you. He wants to see you living a comfortable, comfortable life financially. But in the same way, it's not only there for you. So if your heart is not right with God, if you're not a soul winner, if you don't care about the kingdom, if you're not giving now, God won't bless you. If you have a heart that just wants to be successful and have money, I pray God doesn't bless you because that'll probably lead you away. There's both sides. They said, he didn't say, say to the rich in this world, go sell all you have. He said, say to this rich in this world, the world that they be not high-minded. Don't trust in riches, but in the living God. Be rich in good works. There's a specific instruction. And so people pick one side. A preacher is called to preach the full counsel of the word. So you decide, my mission is, isn't to make everyone feel welcome. Yes, Jesus wants everyone to feel welcome at the foot of the cross, but there's a requirement. Everyone has to repent. Jesus wants everyone to be born again, but if people don't repent, people don't go to heaven. You don't go to heaven just because you came and listened to preaching. You, re you go to heaven because you repent and you obeyed the word of God. So don't make everyone, making everyone feel welcome the highest pinnacle of what you do. It's about pleasing God and preaching his gospel. It's not our gospel. 
It's his gospel. God loves you. I love you. Bless you. We'll see you soon. Hey, we, before I go, we missed a podcast yesterday. That's like the first one besides when the mic was down middle of last year, end of last year. So I, I'm, I'm sorry we missed it. You woke up and maybe you expected it. Maybe you didn't notice and then it doesn't matter. But we missed it. That was my fault. I woke up in the morning at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. And I said, hey, I missed it. Oh, well, next one. We love you. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>